Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, and dedicated to silencing the chatter about what women should and shouldn't be doing as they age. Here to bring you stories about women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, women who are leading inspiring lives that make a difference to themselves and others, are Catherine Marino and Gail Zalitsky. Hello, I'm Catherine. And I'm Gail. And we are delighted to welcome you to today's episode of Women Over 70, featuring women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s who are leading lives that illustrate inspiring ways to learn, contribute, and make a difference as we age. The 30-minute conversation will focus on several themes that we've agreed upon in advance. And today we are thrilled to be talking with Raseel Hamrell, who's a master storyteller. Raseel is 81 years old. She resides in South Burlington, Vermont. She is Chicago-born, however. In her earlier life, Raseel was a speech-language pathologist. After retiring in 2004, Raseel created a culture of storytelling for children and adults, which has involved storytelling groups and open mics. And we are just so looking forward to hearing your stories, Raseel, about storytelling. So we're going to be talking about your journey into the storytelling world, uh, the power of storytelling, what that does for us as individuals, communities, and uh, what you're up to these days. So welcome, Lucille. We're really delighted to have you. For sure. And why don't you just start with giving us a bit of a snapshot of kind of your journey into into, um, storytelling. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. I came to Vermont in 1969, and in 1969, special education in Vermont was just beginning. And I was a speech pathologist, and so I got a position. I was the first speech pathologist in a district of four towns that had never had a speech pathologist, or even special ed. Mm. So I had preschool to high school, and then in the 80s, mainstreaming, which means they closed all the rooms for the special kids. The kids used to be bussed out, and all kids with all sorts of disabilities, the whole range, showed up at the front door of every single school. And there I was, the speech pathologist, certainly then having to take care of all the handicaps and all the ages, preschool to high school. It was overwhelming. It was huge. And I wanted something, a a strategy that would cover all disabilities and all ages. And I came upon the story, the narrative. The narrative, because it is structured and has repetition and is predictable, and fairy tales are a very, very simple narrative, especially like three pigs and three bears. I mean, that's, and then they get harder, but every child that I had on my caseload, they could do it, even if they couldn't talk, because you could just move them. Here's scene one. You move them, here's scene two, scene three. And so that's how I came upon working with story. Mm. But I worked with traditional tales. 
the fairy tales, the scary tales, um, and trickster tales. And I even, by the, by night, by 1997, I was doing story sharing showcases where the kids would learn and perform them. And, um, it, it was just very, very exciting and very productive. So that was my intro into using stories for cognitive and language purposes. Mm -hmm. I had not used story then for emotional growth. That, that came a little bit later. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's so really what, were, what were there uh, certain life events that, that moved you into the emotional dimension of storytelling? Yes. Yep. Yeah. In um, 80, um, my husband picked up and walked out. Um, and it was traumatic. It was stunning. I was caught totally unaware. Well, healing, because I had a full-time job. I, had to, I have sons. Mm. How could I heal? I'm a talker. And I needed a way to talk through what was happening to me. But nobody likes to come to a pity party. Mm -hmm. So what I would do is every time I overcame a problem or, or a crisis, I turn it into a story where I was the hero. <laughs> and then it became a joke among all my friends and, and family members to say, so what's happening, right? Because they would end up hearing a good tale. And then I realized as I did that, I brought about my own healing. Mm -hmm. Because when you have a trauma like that, that trauma will sit in your chest and keep down every other story. And unless you figure out a way how you can pick at it and be able to bring it up and out and work through all the different aspects of it, you live with that and it can, it can drain you. And you never do then tell other stories. And I wasn't gonna let that happen. So Rasil, during that time, were you, yes. were you sharing your story with family and friends? Was this before you went? let's say it public absolutely exactly mm -hmm. in fact i use my family and friends for exactly that reason and yes of course i went to some therapy but the it was such a profound trauma it was gonna take years mm -hmm. well if it was gonna take years where's my venue where am i gonna tell the stories after i've worn out all my family and <laughs> friends and so i began Mainly also because I had lady friends who said, you've got to share this. I mean, you're telling such incredible things, but you're doing it so well. And I, uh, this lady's group asked me to come tell, and then that lady's group, and all of a sudden, I became a performer. Mm -hmm. And I, it started with me really sharing these profound stories. In fact, it ended up that the most intense, dramatic stories that I had, I've won all kinds of all kinds of awards all over because I've developed a way to share them 
and it just captures the audience. Do you have a format that you use, Rasil, to, to shape these stories? Of course. Would you share some of that with us? Well, I, you know, the format is I do teach. I teach a storytelling class. And I also offer to people, because of the open mic that I have, I offer to people, you know, it's basically if you're a writer, if you're a memoir writer, the basic rules of how to shape a good story. And I've put that together into what I call a storytelling guide. Yeah, I have that. <laughs> and I offer it periodically um, to the, the audiences of my open mic. So those who are not able to attend your open mic yes. and who are not in Vermont, could you share with us some of the ways that you instruct people to shape a good story? Some of your coaching tips. All right. So you have an experience. And I always, for all my open mics, I always use prompts and also all the classes. And so, hey, you talk about an embarrassing episode or you talk about the most um, meaningful choice that you ever made. Those are the kinds of prompts that you have. All right, up comes an experience. You got it. You visualize it. You kind of sense it. And my first tip is you take a sheet of paper or you take a couple of pieces. But I like if you could kind of do it on one sheet of paper just all around the paper so you got that whole story you must lay out we're talking writing you must write out and not heavy detail but get yourself through each scene of your story oh. that's crucial because if you have the whole thing in front of you all 75 percent of your work is done it's all out now after it's all out, then you become the editor. <laughs> the first part is you are just regurgitating. You got it all out. But if you want to tell it to somebody, now you must have to shape it so that you're, you have to focus on who's listening and how are they going to experience your story. And so then it's... You know, typical, it's developing character, it's uh, creating uh, tension, all, all, and I lay all that out very simply, but you only do it after you have that whole story laid out on paper so you can let it go, and you can look at it, and you can eliminate or add right in front of you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. You use storytelling to help with your own healing. Yes. And as you teach storytelling to adults, especially, let's say, women, yes. uh, is, is, it, is it really for that main purpose or there, are there other uh, reasons why people would, what other kinds of stories that people might tell? Well, our, what are the benefits? I think that you can gain so many benefits from just taking one of your stories and shaping it. It means laying it out and then going back to it a second time. And why? Like, you know, when you hear a good story, there's a bonding experience. 
it, it connects you to people. Well, by connecting to people, it provides support. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, hey, I really was appreciated. I was in the midst of my sorrow, but people thought I was great. And then I needed that. I needed that appreciation and validation. Okay. And another thing, the bonding experiences. See, stories are like a gift of love. It, it builds bridges between people mm -hmm. and and thus it was the beginning of me creating I have built a community and starting with sharing a story it also promotes understanding because it celebrates what's unique about us about me for example but then people realize how much I'm alike how we are alike so it it Empathy is there. And, of course, inspiration. My God, if that woman walking through that situation gets through it, you know, maybe I can, you know, even think about it. And finally, I think one of the most exciting avenues that I began exploring was what I call the neuroscience. Okay? Mm -hmm. We are hardwired for story. And we have circuitry that's designed in such a way that hearing a good story, you actually get a rush of dopamine. You know, they get a high for it. Okay. And we have what they call mirror neurons. That those neurons, when you tell your story well, I can feel what you feel. Because mm -hmm. I got those neurons. And I think that is so powerful. I also find, and this is like applying to women over, I'd say, 60. The story, it, it, it actually strengthens your mind because the mind is a muscle. And it makes your mind stronger, okay, when you put your life into words. And I think it also strengthens memory because when you begin to do story sharing, the past opens up. I now have a whole file drawer that's filled with the folders of all the stories that I've told about my life. Because mm -hmm. every time I tell a story, I put it's into a folder. And for what I call mature storytellers, mm -hmm. story sharing is a harvest time, a season for the ripened memory. It really works well the older you get. Okay. Um, and, I, and I have found that. And finally, the stories, you gain insights when you share a story about a past experience. You gain understanding. I, I believe story sharing should be part of wellness. Mm -hmm. That when the doctor says you could do some exercise or watch your diet, he also should say, you find a place where you can share your memories. Because we have a jumble of memories that are floating around. But when you put that memory into a form, an order, and it becomes a story, then, then you can share it and you can give that gift to somebody else. So, Rocio, I imagine you, are, you, you share um, some of the same stories in different venues and I'm wondering if the retelling of a story 
Uh, are there any, are there new insights that emerge or always, 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 because when you share the story and then it goes back to the memory, it has gained things. So when it's pulled up again, it's pulled up. It's a different story. Mm -hmm. Each time you share it, you add, and that's, well, you know, the, there's therapies that are based on that, right? Yes. That the more you tell about traumatic event, the more you can distance yourself. You can look at it in an abstract way. And you can, when you first have the trauma and you go to tell somebody a story, your voice, you're hanging on to them. You're, I mean, you're in, the tears are running. You're an emotional basket case. Yes. And then think about years later, because I told the story of being the chazan, being the cantor at my son's bar mitzvah when my husband walked out. And I told that in front of an audience of 185 people. Oh. <laughs> and let me you sing you, too. Did you pardon? sing? Did you sing too? Somebody has asked, I have done it with singing. Yes, I have done it with singing. But it was. We're talking 30 years after, mm -hmm. 35 years after, okay? And in preparing, for, because this is a great big extempo tell-off, a big fancy deal in the state, and in preparing for that story, I touched something that it took 35 years for me to touch, mm -hmm. the shame of being unloved and unwanted. Mm -hmm. I had never been able to use those words before. And now you voiced that publicly? Yes, that I had been unloved and unwanted. Absolutely. And you know what happened after I told that story? That whole thing dissipated. <laughs> it, it evaporated. Yeah. It was gone out of my system. <laughs> it had sat there for 35 years. So for women who are, who are feeling scared, kind of silenced and invisible after a certain age and who become isolated, are you, uh, it sounds to me as though this is a great way for them to come out of themselves a little bit. I go into assisted living. I've done that for many years. Um, um, and there I have the circle. Of the of mainly women, but also also men, and you can see they remember those things way back. We talk about their wedding, we talk about their first boyfriend, we talk about and oh, they remember all of that. They couldn't remember, you know, what they had for lunch earlier, but no, it's powerful. Yes, I can see that, you and then everybody enjoys. You hear the, and we laugh. That's the beautiful thing of it. You laugh, you have fun, you converse. No, it's, it, you, you have a good time. Are, are, do, are, do you or others are actually telling stories about the aging process, about how you're experiencing aging? I'm the oldest one of my you're group. The oldest. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell about aging by telling about what was before and how I look at it. And I take it, I do because what I value is that I'm walking history. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And I tell, 
I mean, I unionized my group. I mean, I have faced all the things that are, people are letting go right now and watching being taken away. Mm-hmm. And I have fought for them here. Mm-hmm. So I tell about those situations so that they realize, hey, we've been here before. And why are we letting it go? I was wondering about the, the stories that we might tell ourselves about as we age. If, if, if it's, we're invisible, we don't matter, we're not relevant, mm-hmm. uh, we don't look the way we used to look. Right. What do we have to offer? If, if in reshaping a different story would actually help us experience aging more positively. Well, of course, because you, you turn it into a ha-ha. <laughs> you, you laugh about it and you, you put it out there. This person did this and I was observing as they behaved to me and I just said to them, you must be kidding. You know, of course you share all of that. And that's the way people... I... I became a member of the Vermont NEA board. Uh, It must have been like 1982. And the woman who was the president of the Vermont NEA was a young woman, uh, brilliant, a young woman. Now she's one of our representatives in in our legislature. All right. And on that board, and I showed up that first time, it was a big deal that I was elected a representative. And on that board, 12 people, but two of them were older men. And when she began leading, they began with deprecating humor. Mm. Oh, the little lady, you know, the girl, she, and talking over her. And it was insult. It was, I was horrified. Mm-hmm. I was horrified. And it was naturally just flowing out of their mouth mocking, mocking the woman, mocking her leadership. It, it, and, but they just, it just flowed out of them. Going home, I was in a rage. I was banging. Um, my uh, fellow driver, he was, I was banging on the dashboard. <laughs> now, how was I going to stop that? Okay. I, I could get up on the table and scream at him, right? Okay. I could stop being a member of the of the council. Instead, when I came the next month and we were having coffee, I backed this guy up against the wall so that my back was to everybody. And I had his eye. Nobody could hear what I was saying to him. And I said to him, I'm going to have to leave. I'm not going to be able to be a member. You are hurting me. And how you are speaking about it. Oh, we were just funny. We're just having a good time. And I, you know, and then I backed up the other guy at lunch. Okay. And did the same thing. They both shut their mouth after that. (laughs) (laughs) You said that you, that you mentioned open mic when you were talking earlier. Is that something that you still do? Do you still? Oh, yes. I began. Uh, in Vermont, I had, um, when I first retired and I knew I wanted to use storytelling, I had afternoon groups, which were mainly ladies, you know, because it was like from 12 to 2. But I wanted a more diverse group. And so I began an open mic in 2008. 
in 2009. And um, I sent out invitations and I put notices in our newspaper. And sure enough, people began coming to my open mic. And I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> Where do you hold these? Oh, my goodness. I have the most elegant venue. So when you come up here, you're going to have to come with me to it. I'm at the Shelburne Vineyard. Okay. And we are talking a beautiful, uh, it opens up to the mountains, the, uh, surrounded by windows. And we're up on a loft and we see the sunset. And I, I don't um, have a microphone. I don't do judging. People sit in a semicircle. I make sure I have the nicest venue of any of the storytelling open mics around because it is very safe, comfortable, and you get the most delicious glass of wine as we do the storytelling. We're both like, okay, we'll be there soon. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my, I'm uh, ending my fifth year there, and I'll begin my sixth. I go from February to November, the third Tuesday of every month, and then I take two months off, and I'll begin again. Uh, next February and up to, I'll do two more months and then off I uh, I take off and you you also have gatherings for the experienced storytellers I think and yes in fact we just had the first annual storytellers night out <laughs> because a year ago a year and a half ago at my 80th birthday at this lovely vineyard I threw a party Mm -hmm. And I brought in the best caterers, okay? And my son picked up the uh, wine bill for everybody. And I invited all the storytellers as well as my family. Karen, my sister, flew um, here as well as uh, other friends. But it was the first time we had a gathering, not because of an event, but because of a party. Mm -hmm. And so... Last week, we wanted to have that same kind of feeling again, only this time we really focused on issues and things that interest all of us. And it was very successful. And you're going to continue this? Yes, because yep. we did first annual. We'll be doing second annual. And maybe um, in the middle, we'll have another gathering for another reason mm -hmm. and now, bring everybody together. You said that you take uh, a couple of months off. What do you do in that off time? Well, I have started a whole new venture for myself. I am a newbie, a beginner. I'm taking art classes. <laughs> Good for you, Rasil. Uh, I, I have a lovely collection, but I've never done art myself. And I have a marvelous teacher who has extensive materials, uh, supplies, anything. And so I'm exploring color. Mm. Wow. Do you ever think about aging or what your age is? Sure. Of course. I bring it up all the time. And how, how do you think about it? It's a number. <laughs> yeah, it's a number, <laughs> right. Are you, uh, I have. Go ahead. In my family, Mama passed at ninety nine and a half. Daddy at ninety four. 
all mothers, sisters, everyone in the family is high 90s. So I may be 81, but I got like 20 years and I have to keep going. You'll be having your own uh, art show in a couple few years. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I think wine and arts is a really good combination. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I uh, I just I was really taken with what you said a few minutes ago about storytelling should be part of wellness. Yes. And can you just just say a little more about that because I think that is such an important message. Well, there we all have experiences that we haven't resolved. Isn't it true that we carry we carry all of it in us and it, and it sits there. Mm -hmm. And some, and it uses up energy. Mm -hmm. And I believe it helps you. It, it adds complexity to your life if you, uh, you know, have can bring up have a place for your recollections. Um, I think for the mature storyteller, which is what I am, what you are, mm -hmm. you gain many revelations. It's like it, it, it's like gold that you're collecting mm -hmm. and the insights um you know something that was so upsetting what 25 30 years ago looking at it with new eyes oh my goodness you laugh mm -hmm. and you but you realize how it affected the choices that mm -hmm. you made mm -hmm. so you really you gain a sense of uh order you learn that your life has had some meaning um you learn that your life has had a shape, okay? and you're preserving history. You're, you kind of have an opportunity to pay tribute to the people and, and the events that have shaped you. Okay? I, I believe if you can tap into those stories, uh, it's, it can be a template for your tomorrow. You see, after 65, you're on your own. You know, before that, you went to school, you went to college, you got married, you had children, you worked, right? You hit 65, it's wide open. Mm -hmm. Now, you got a choice. You can sit and you can oh, do over grandchildren, it, it drive everybody crazy. You can, your health, you can start worrying about your health. But what happens is, if you don't make decisions, loneliness and your brain starts to rot <laughs> and so you really you have to you learn how you became who you are you learn what mattered to you okay and you learn about yourself so you can plan the rest of your life mm. you know this is a, a really fast 30 minutes and we could talk with you for a very long time I, we, we appreciate so much your taking time to, to share with us your provocative perspectives, which is what we really are excited about hearing and the power of storytelling for our, ourselves and for others. So Lucille, Lucille, thank you so much for being our guest today. My pleasure. <laughs> thank you, Lucille. And we want to thank all of our listeners for joining us today. Our weekly Wednesday podcast is only as valuable as you, our listeners, find it. So we ask you to please share your thoughts on the show, subscribe and review it, add to the conversation, provide feedback, 
and become an active participant in our Facebook community, Women Over 70. Invite your younger friends, family, and colleagues to join in because our goal is to create an intergenerational conversation. And if you know a woman over 70 who would be a great guest, please recommend her to us. We also want to thank the School of Continuing and Professional Studies at DePaul University, where we recorded today's episode. See you on Facebook and next week on Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. Thank you for listening to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. If you like what you've heard today, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. In what ways are you shattering the myth that women over 70 are no longer relevant or visible? How are you celebrating aging? Join with us. Make your voice heard. Find us at womenover70.com.